Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. So I'm going to read the scripture this morning. Um, it's in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nicole. It was a dark and, and stormy morning. I rose from my bed around 5.30 in the morning, which I do fairly often, uh, to get ready for my walk and pray. And if you're not familiar with a walk and pray, it's where, it's where you walk and pray. It's a pretty tricky title, so I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. I got up, I went out to the living room, uh, I got my shoes on, I put on two sweatshirts because like, the puff coat keeps me too warm, but two sweatshirts seems to work. I put on my orange reflective vest, that I mentioned it was dark, um, and I got ready to go. The, the trail is lit, it's a nice place, but this was a dark and stormy morning. So, so the next thing I did might bring judgment from some Washingtonians, I, I grabbed an umbrella. Now, for those of you who refuse to use uh, an umbrella, is something, it's like a pole, and you, you slide it up, and it covers you to keep the rain off you. They're really great. I don't know why we hate them. But it was a dark and stormy morning, so I grabbed my umbrella, and I decided to go for my walk and pray. Now, before I get too far into the store, I want you to know I have, I have a home office that's disconnected from our house that I could pray in that has a heater and a roof. So, like, walking in the rain is not my only option. But this morning, I decided that this would be the best option. Uh, my, 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 my prayer walk is usually a couple of miles, about a half a mile in. Um, my hands are really, really cold, and the umbrella's like halfway in front of me, and my pants are wet up to my knees. It is just, it is going great. And usually when I'm out walking early in the morning, I'll see three or four other crazy people that are out early in the morning. On this morning, I saw zero other people. They must have thought, you know what, maybe I'll stay inside this morning. People that might be wiser than I uh, when I was about a half mile from finishing my walk, I decided to stand underneath a, a shelter that has a picnic table there so that that could keep me dry from the rain. I could put my umbrella in front of me to keep the wind from hitting me um, because it was, it was fairly miserable. And it's at this time that I thought to myself, maybe, just maybe, Wayne, the focus of my walk and pray should pray, be the pray and not necessarily the walk. Like, the walk is good, but the prayer should be the pr- focus. And I, I can pray inside where it's warm and dry. I think, I think there's power. There's great power in prayer. And for me, rhythm and routine help me to pray. But if, if my focus is on the routine, it can lead to half-hearted prayers. And I believe that the creator of the universe deserves better than my half-hearted prayers. So that day, I, I probably made the wrong choice. The weather outside, it was frightful. I should have stayed inside, warm and dry, and prayed. Uh, good morning. My name is Wayne, if you don't know me. My Wayne name is, is Wayne, if you do know me. It doesn't actually change. So... As long as you know me, my name will be Wayne. I have the privilege of teaching kids' church here at East Hills and hitting the circles with the sticks, which Evan did a great job of today. And, and also, um, I'm an elder, and I'm not going to tell you which one of those is my favorite. They're like my kids. I love them all equally, but not really. I love them all differently. Right? It's, not, it's not the same. And, and, and as we start, I want, I want to thank you guys for taking time to join us as we gather, to be part of a community, to sing worship songs, to pray, and to learn from God's word together. Uh, I'm going to pray as I get started. God, I love you. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for a chance to learn from your word. I pray that you would open our hearts to be challenged and changed by your truth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, when, it, when, when I teach in kids' church, when we pray, we, we close our eyes and we bow our head and we fold our hands, right? That's, that's how we pray. Um, but I also, I, I also tell the kids a secret, like, like God can hear you with your eyes open. Especially as you get older and you pray while you're driving, it's very important to know that God can hear you with your eyes open. But, but sometimes we do those things to help us from being distracted. Over the last couple of weeks, Josh has talked about why we pray and what we pray. And today we're talking about how we pray. If you have a handout, you'll notice that the title isn't Eight Ways to Pray. Number five will shock you. And that's partly because this isn't a blog post from 2018. And partly because I'm not going to give you seven steps to make sure you hit these steps every time you pray. What I do want to do is share from Scripture, from the life of Christ, and from my own rhythms and routines about how we pray in a way that might encourage you to spend time in communication and communion with our Father. In the verses just before the verses Nicole read, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, he tells of a, of, a, of a Pharisee and how he's praying, and of how Gentiles and how they're praying. The Pharisee prays with these big fancy words and in front of people to be noticed by men. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray like that. And the Gentile prays with lots and lots of words and babbles on and on, hoping that he says the right words to convince his gods of what he needs. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray like that. But what we do see is that Jesus says, when you pray. If you have a handout, the first blanks are there. Prayer is a when and not an if. Prayer is a when and not an if. And I apologize that there's not a comma on your notes. There's a comma on my notes. I saw my mistake, but it was too late to fix it for you guys. I apologize. (laughs) Prayer is a when and not an if. And that statement isn't meant uh, to bring condemnation on anybody. If you're anything like me, sometimes you might feel like you don't pray enough. Now, I don't know what enough is. If you do, please let me know. But, but this isn't to say, hey, you need to be praying more. But as we follow Christ, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus, I think we need to engage in the practices that he taught and that he modeled for his disciples and for us. Today, I want to walk through three ways that we can pray. And if I was a better preacher, this would be the ABCs of prayer. But I'm not. So, so today, we have the CHPs of prayer. It's just as memorable, trust me. And if it's not, then you get your money back. The CHPs of prayer, we're going to talk about that we can pray continually, that we can pray honestly, and that we can pray patiently. The first one, pray continually. In 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, when I teach in kids' church, we usually take the main verse and we, we memorize it by writing it up on the whiteboard and then erase one word at a time. So if it's okay with you guys, can we do that today? Okay, so we have, we have 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It's, it's a big one. It's a big one. So, so I'll count to three and then we'll read this together. And just so you know, we do read uh, the actual reference as well. And you guys don't have to be as loud as the kids, but you're welcome to be as loud as you want, especially you, Michael. All right, so one, two, three. Pray constantly. First Thessalonians 5.17. Good job, you guys. You guys did really good. Like, not as good as the kids, but, but pretty good. So we're going we're gonna to now erase a word here. Okay, you guys think you're ready? Okay. One, two, three. Pray constantly. First Thessalonians 5.17. 
Now, you guys probably don't know which board we're going to erase next. It's a surprise. This is the fun of the game. Downstairs, I usually let the kids pick, but there's too many of us for that this morning, so, so I'm going to pick. But, Nicole, can you erase one more word for us? Oh, I didn't see that coming. All right, you guys, do you think you're ready? All right. One, two, three. Pray constantly. First Thessalonians 5.17. Good job. If I had gold stars, I would just keep them all for myself because I'm selfish. But you guys would have earned them for sure. Pray constantly. And we just memorized a verse of the Bible. Uh, the InterVarsity Press, Biblical Background Commentary, New Testament Edition. I don't have to tell you which commentary I used. I just really like to say the name of this commentary. But it says of these verses, even the strictest adherents of Judaism did not pray all day, but they prayed regularly, much, and faithfully. Pray without ceasing or pray constantly could mean this type of prayer, or to carry the attitude of prayer with oneself throughout the day, not just in corporate worship or in personal quiet time. So whether we interpret that verse as to have an attitude of prayer all the time or to pray regularly, much, and faithfully, we are called to pray, to pray constantly, to pray as we go through our days. In Mark verse 135, we read of Jesus very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. This took place after Jesus had spent the day teaching and casting out demons and spent the evening healing people and before another day of travel and similar ministry. Uh, to me, this doesn't feel like a, I'm going to spend some extra time in prayer because I have some extra time kind of situation, but that Jesus was intentional, in, intentional, intentional about seeking out time with the Father. Alan Fadling says in his book, An Unhurried Life, about this passage, I would have been exhausted. I might very well have slept in the next morning, but Jesus didn't. Communion with his father mattered so deeply that he rose early enough to have some uninterrupted time to linger with him in the midst of a busy ministry schedule. Staying up late, healing, casting out demons, Jesus rose up early, got away to a quiet place, and prayed. And in Luke 5, we, we read, but the news about him, him being Jesus, spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. As busy as Jesus got throughout his ministry, he always had prayer as a priority. Our next blanks, having a time and a place to pray helps us to be consistent. Having a time and a place to pray helps us to be consistent. We need to make sure that prayer is the priority and not simply the routine. But when we have a time and a place that we've set aside to spend time with the Father, it can help us to make sure that time happens. Um, sometimes I have things that I plan to do when I have time. And often those things don't get done because when I have time, it doesn't tend to happen. Um, last night we had some good discussion about like, how this, when we, when we schedule something, it can become kind of legalistic. Like, right? If we're like, hey, I'm going to pray at this time every day, uh, it can become something we do because we have to. And while we don't want it to be something we do because we have to, I think there's great power in having time that we set aside um, to spend that time. And it's something I've been working on. Uh, I really like having things like set at a specific time, but I'm also a little bit broken because if I have things set up at a time and it doesn't work out that way, like if, if I schedule to edit video from like 9 to 
And like at 9.45, I'm still editing video. Like my whole day can be shot because I'm like, I broke it. I didn't do it right, and I give up. Um, so the goal isn't to be legalistic and be like, I have to pray from 5 to 7 every morning. But to have a time that says, hey, I'm going to spend time with God here. For me, if I don't schedule it, it is very unlikely that it happens. We also see here that Jesus got away to a deserted place. He physically changed locations to spend time in communion with the Father. He got away from the disciples that he was traveling with. He got away from the busyness there, and he went away. One, once a month, I have an opportunity to take, to take a half a day to go and, and walk in the woods. I usually go to Sequest State Park or up to Coldwater, and to walk and pray and listen to God and plan for the month ahead. And that's something I'm really blessed to be able to do. But what if we're not able to actually have a time where we can physically change our location and get away? The good news is that we can start where we are. I love the story of Susanna Wesley. She was the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. John is the founder of Methodism, and Charles wrote about 18,000 hymns, which is probably a slight exaggeration, but dude wrote a lot of songs. <laughs> Susanna was born in the late 1600s. She was the husband of a preacher who didn't handle money well. Uh, her, her husband ended up in debtor's jail multiple times. Um, she gave birth to 19 kids, nine of which died in infancy, which means 10. She raised, which... Um, I only have two kids, and sometimes it's hard to find time to do things. So I can only imagine raising 10 kids. She wouldn't have had much time uh, to get away and pray. She was their mother. She managed the home. She homeschooled all the children. She was a busy lady. But sometimes uh, she would spend time. She had a chair in her kitchen, and she would sit in that chair, and she would pull her apron over her head and spend time praying. And the kids knew if Mama had that apron over her head, she'd spend the time with Jesus. So even if we can't take a half a day to go walk in the woods, uh, we can find time where we are to spend time in prayer. And uh, if she would have taken a walk in the woods, she may have been eaten by bears, because like woods were different back then too. Like I feel pretty safe in my woods. And our rhythms of, of prayer and our routines will look different over different seasons. When I was working graveyard, I didn't walk and pray in the mornings. I drove home half awake and slept in the mornings. Uh, when my kids were little, I had to make sure I got up early enough that I could walk and pray and get home in time to help get them ready for school. Now they're older, so I can like sleep in until 6 o'clock and walk and pray and get home in time to scrape ice off the window for Annabelle to drive Josiah to school. Um, so that works out really well for me. But we need, to, we need to give ourselves grace for the season we're in and start somewhere. You don't have to start with two hours of prayer every day. You don't have to start with waking up and, and, and starting that day with Jesus. But finding that routine can be helpful. The second way that we pray is honestly. We pray honestly. We find a parable that Jesus told about a tax collector and a Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted.
The Pharisees were the religious elite, the Bible scholars, the teachers of the law. They thought that they had the upper hand on obeying God's laws. They had laws on laws on laws to prevent them from actually breaking God's law. But this Pharisee's prayer was thanking God that he wasn't like neighbor Bob or other sinners and telling God about all the good things that he had done. But the tax collector, an outcast in their society, some saw them as traitors. They, they collected taxes from their people to give to the Romans who were occupying. The tax collector cried out to the Lord, admitted his own sinfulness, and asked for mercy. There is freedom in acknowledging my need of a Savior. There is freedom in acknowledging my need of a Savior. Pete Gregg says in his book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, he says, you cannot be too bad, too broken, or too boring for God's unconditional love. Only too proud to acknowledge how desperately you need it. You cannot be too bad, too broken, or too boring for God's unconditional love. Only too proud to acknowledge how desperately you need it. God knows where we are. And when we can admit it to the one who created us and loves us unconditionally, we can find comfort and peace in God's presence. In Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 17, we read, Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, it grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, You unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can... Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. This father wants his son to be healed so badly. But how hard would it be to tell Jesus that you truly believe when this has been happening to your son for years? What an amazing honesty on this father's part to tell Jesus that he believes, that you so badly want to believe that he can heal your son and then to ask for help believing. Sometimes I think we, we know what we're supposed to pray, and we pray those things. But this, this man was willing to say, God, I know, I know that I'm supposed to say that I believe, but it's really hard to believe. Help me to believe. Sometimes when I'm praying, I'll say, say, God, help me to seek you first. And then I'll say, God, help me to want to seek you first. Then I'll say, God, I know I'm supposed to seek you first, and finally, I'll say, God, I need you to help me to have a desire to seek you first. I start on the surface level. I start with the right words, the things I know I'm supposed to want. And then I have to wrestle down until I get to what I actually think and what I actually believe. And the good news is that God can handle our honesty. The Lord can handle our anger. He can handle our frustration. The one who formed you in the womb can handle your doubts. We can pray honestly. It won't surprise God. He knows, and it will help us process through where we are. The third of the CHPs of prayer is to pray patiently. To pray patiently. 
And to be honest, the, the, the third one could have been to pray persistently. We see parables where Jesus talks about persistence in prayer, and I think that's important. Um, but I wanted, to talk, I wanted to talk about slowing down and waiting. Uh, W.F. Adams says, We can advance along the road to perfection only by walking closely with Jesus. And as we watch his way of dealing with the countless problems and troubles that beset his life, we achieve wisdom as to how to meet our own. But to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Sometimes when I pray, I do most of the talking. But the best way to hear someone is to stop talking. The best way to hear someone is to stop talking. If I want to hear the Lord, I need to shut my mouth and listen, to wait on the Lord. Uh, sometimes when I spend, spend that half a day walking and praying, um, I don't know if you've ever gone like to intentionally to spend a lot of time in prayer. Sometimes I, like, I want to really hear something from the Lord. Like I want to hear something that I'm supposed to do or a specific thing that I'm supposed to accomplish. And sometimes I spend that half a day or even I've taken a weekend and spent a whole weekend and I come back and the, really the only thing that I feel like God has said to me is that, it, is that he loves me and that he's faithful. And at first I'm disappointed and then I think about it and I'm like, oh, I just, I just spent time with the Father and, and I know that he loves me and I know that he's faithful. That's kind of all that matters. Like if, if you spend 30 minutes, if you spend four hours praying and you just walk away feeling that God loves you and like that's all you heard from God, like that's, that's a good time in prayer. I think sometimes we put these expectations on a time of prayer. We're like, I want to hear the next six years of my life laid out. So I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray. And, and maybe all God says is, hey, I love you. You're valued and you're enough. And for me, after I get past my disappointment of what I wanted to happen, I realized that that is a good time of waiting and listening. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Um, that word translated trust in other translations of the Bible is hope or wait. When we hope or wait on the Lord, he will renew our strength. When we sit and listen, we give ourselves a chance to hear God's instructions, to hear how the creator of the universe loves us, and to hear where we've messed up and where we might need to repent. Psalm 25 verse 4 says, Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Prayer involves talking to God, praising God, asking things of God, but it also involves slowing down, pondering, meditating on scripture, and listening. We pray continually, we pray honestly, and we pray patiently. But where do we start? I think that using pre-written prayers is a great place to start in prayer. And I know that some folks have a problem with a pre-written prayer. Maybe you feel like it doesn't come from your heart or it's just a bunch of words that somebody else wrote down. Um, but can I tell you a secret? So far today, we've sang three pre-written prayers together. And in a few minutes, we're going to sing another pre-written prayer together. Right, That first song, talking about who God is and saying there's no one like God. Like we say it a lot of times in that song. And maybe by the end we believe that he is God and there's no one like him. I think that the problem with pre-written prayers 
is that they can become just a routine. Just saying the words, just mumbling through something that was written by somebody else. But I think... I think the problem isn't, isn't the prayers, it's not the words, but it's our, our attitudes as we pray. I pray through the Lord's Prayer nearly every day. And some days I just say the words and I move on. And some days a phrase sticks out to me and I meditate on it, I think about it, and it affects my day in a greater way. When I walk and pray in the mornings, um, I, I start with just some time of silence. And then I use an app called Lake Deal 365, which is a devotional app, um, which people with British accents read scripture and devotional thoughts to me. It's just magnificent. Um, I also walk really slow, which made that day in the rain even worse. Like I intentionally walk slowly to slow myself down. Um, and I do that. And then I, I pray through a paraphrase of Psalm 136. And a couple, a couple weeks ago at the worship night, we went through Psalm 136. If you're not familiar with it, the second half of every verse is his faithful love endures forever. It walks through creation. It walks through deliverance from Egypt. It walks through Israel getting into the promised land. It ends with thanking God for delivering us from our enemies. And every, every half a line is his faithful love endures forever. And I, I paraphrase it because memorizing it felt like it was too intimidating. And if I paraphrase it, I can get the idea. And if I mess up the words, it's okay. But in my paraphrase, I say his faithful love endures forever 20 times. And those could just be words. And some mornings, those are just words. But sometimes, by like the 18th or 19th time that I say it, I start to really believe it. And I start to think about how the fact that God's faithful love endures forever is going to affect me that day. It's not about the words, it's not about the routine, but pre-written prayers can be a springboard as we enter into a time of communion with our Creator. The power in pre-written prayers is in the posture of our heart. The power of pre-written prayers is in the posture of our heart. I think sometimes when, when we're praying, whether it's as a routine or since science, we, we expect to hear things. And, and being, being quiet before the Lord can be hard. We can get distracted. Uh, sometimes you just have to pray those distractions. Uh, sometimes when I try to listen, I end up talking a lot, maybe telling God how much I love him, how good he is, which are good things. But being silent is, is awkward and it's weird. As the worship team comes up, I'd like us to take a few minutes to practice prayer together. Um, and as we do this, I'm going to start with a prayer that I start my morning walk with. And we'll take three minutes to sit and wait and listen. And then I'll read a prayer written by Evelyn Underhill. Now, three minutes to be quiet, especially in a group, is a long time. It's going to feel like longer than you want it to. You're probably going to wonder, did he set a three-minute timer? And the truth is, no, I set a three-minute three and ten-second timer. Um, because I just I like the 10 seconds on any timer I set to give me that buffer from like when I push the button. It might take me a little while to start being quiet. So it's a three-minute and 10-second timer. I promise you it's there. It's going to feel like a long time. Um, if you get distracted, pray your distractions. If, if you end up saying more things to God, that's okay. There's not a right or wrong, wrong way to do it. Um, I don't know what you're praying, so like there's not a report card or a score sheet. Um, but we're going to take that time to just sit quietly, and then I'll read a prayer as we close out. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, mighty King, holy God, Jesus, I give you today, I give you my worries, I give you my cares, I give you my frustrations. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me in all wisdom and truth in believing.
Lord, going out from this silence, teach me to be more alert, humble, expectant than I have been in the past, ever ready to encounter you in quiet, homely ways, in every appeal to my compassion, every act of unselfish love which shows up and humbles my imperfect love, may I recognize you still walking through the world. Give me the grace of simplicity which alone can receive your mystery. Amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.